This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, this is Trey. Thank you for joining us for another Tuesdays with Trey. Uh, Ari Fleischer needs no introduction. He's been at the height of his line of work. I hate to say he's a communications expert because I'm not even sure I know what that means anymore, but I mean it as a compliment. He's a communications expert. He also has a book out, which I got to confess. I mean, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know a couple of things. Number one, I think we need a really bold, free, fair, well-respected, robust media. You also know that I don't think we have much of that now. Uh, But I couldn't write a book on it. I can barely do a podcast on it. Ari has written a book, Suppression, Deception, Snobbery, and Bias. Uh, And he's a subject matter expert. And I think he's a fair-minded guy, which is why I love having him on my TV show. And I listen to him when he's on TV. And we're lucky because he's joining us now. Ari, how are you? I'm doing great, Trey. Thank you for having me. All right. I'm going to start with the obvious, at least obvious to me. Um, When I look at your title, when I look at the cover of your book, you start with suppression. And if I'd been your editor, first of all, uh, you wouldn't have a book because I'd be terrible at it. (laughs) But I would have probably started with bias because bias is what gets under my skin more. Is there a rhyme or reason to the order in which you structured those words? Well, there, there is, you know, my alternative title was going to be out of touch and out to lunch. Why the press gets so much wrong and just doesn't care. Um, but I call it this trade because I'm convinced having studied it and lived it, that we're no longer talking about the normal liberal bias that the media was previously known for. It's really become now activism, a part of the media culture, where if there's a story that they don't like, it gets suppressed. And if there's a narrative that they do like, even if it's not true, it is put on the air and many people are deceived as a result. And we saw it time and time again. So I think the suppression and, de- and deception are more recent than bias. We've known they've been biased for decades. I could not agree with you more. I remember rolling the newspaper as a kid. And I, and I even then I used to wonder why the, my local newspaper, which was a New York Times newspaper, why it referred to Supreme Court justices as arch conservative, but never arch liberal. It was only the word arch. So, I mean, that was like 100 million years ago. So to your point, bias, whether it was explicit or implicit has always existed, but it does seem to be worse. Do you think so? Way, way worse. Here are a couple of things have happened. One is cultural. Journalists have increasingly become a group, and I have this from a Pew Research study from 2018, a group of college-educated Democrats who 
only know how to talk to fellow college-educated Democrats. And the only group in America that says the press understands me are college-educated Democrats. If you're a Democrat with a high school degree only, you say the press doesn't understand me. If you're an independent voter, regardless of whether you graduated from high school or college, you say the press doesn't understand me. Republicans of all stripes say the press doesn't understand me. So the media has done this to themselves. They have gone from a group that was supposed to be able to talk accurately and fairly to the entire country to a group now who is only in touch with fellow college-educated Democratic voters. A slice of America talking to a slice of America that really doesn't understand the life of somebody whose grandfather took them hunting when they were young, that owned a weapon since they were a child or owned a long gun or rifle since they were a child, somebody who thinks life began at conception, somebody who grew up in a rural area. Today's media really has nothing in common and cannot relate to them and do not publish stories for them. All right. You worked. I think people, you probably burst onto people's screens working for President Bush, whom I consider um, certainly in by today's standard, uh, he's not a hard right Republican. I mean, he's conservative, but but he, he is not hard right today. And by the same token, I never viewed you as I've never seen you dressed up as John Adams. I've never seen you talking <laughs> about QAnon. So I thought, you know, I mean, I hate labels like you know, moderate. I, I hate those labels. So I'm not going to use those, but you were always a reasonable guy. And I watch you on television. And if you think someone's wrong, you say they're wrong. And if you think they're right, you say they're right. And it's, you're clearly not running for office. So something had to get under your skin enough that you said, you know what? I'm going to stop what I'm doing and I'm going to write a book on this. 100% right. Look, I've always tried to consider myself fair. I've never believed that somebody in politics was my enemy. And I always believed that their motive was a good one, too. I disagree with them, but I don't like challenging people's motives. And what I started to see watching the coverage of President Trump, particularly when it came to collusion, particularly when it came to the Steele dossier, issues that I always said, and I said it live on Fox, that I never thought were true, and I was proud to defend President Trump on those measures, I just saw the press being absolutely brutally unfair. They were caught up in the narrative. And what they did, Trey, was they decided the American people made a mistake in the 2016 election that Hillary should have been the president and the public got it wrong. And the press dedicated themselves to reversing the results of an election. And you cannot do that if you're a journalist. If you're a journalist, you just accept whatever the results are and cover it neutral and fair. And they abandoned neutrality. They abandoned fairness. and They just went after President Trump. And, you know, I'll call the balls and strikes on President Trump. If he did something right, I'll say it. If he did something wrong, I'll say it. But I'm more fair than the mainstream media. And, and this is why I wrote my book. I could not sit there watching them do what they did without blowing a whistle. Which leads me to my favorite question in the whole world, which is why? Why did it go from, yeah, the, the left-leaning kids want to go into journalism and the right leaning kids want to go into business, but, you know, we can kind of put up with the, a little bit of the implicit bias. Why did it go from that to we are going to, to try to put a cloud over someone's presidency because we don't like the outcome of that election? And I'm talking about 2016. Great question. And, and it's antecedents really prior to the 2016 election. It was social media 
which created a new reward structure where the more you let your opinion rip, the more followers you got. Uh, it was getting a TV contract. The more you let it rip, CNN and MSNBC would give you a contract. It was also, trade the breakdown of advertising in the media because of the Internet. There used to be a time when if you were a newspaper, you made your money because of advertisements. And advertisers didn't want to tick people off. So they wanted the newspaper to be able to speak to the entire audience. But when advertisers went away because of the Internet, newspapers started to get their money from subscribers. And subscribers increasingly had a point of view, especially for the big newspapers like the New York Times. One, one of my favorite quotes was from the former executive editor, the top editor at the New York Times, uh, who, who she, and she said, every time Donald Trump calls us fake news, I hear the ka-ching of the cash register, cash register as more people subscribe to the New York Times. And we've had a breakdown in terms of left-right subscribership. So all the rewards and incentives started to favor polarized media that polarized the country. And then along came Donald Trump, and he just broke the press. And largely because it's the cultural issue I was talking about before. But, Trey, another thing I did, I, I, I hired an opposition research firm to look through public records of the White House press corps. It's all available to the public. And to look at who's a Democrat, who's a Republican in that briefing room. And by 12 to 1, the ratio of reporters is Democrat to Republican. Now, why isn't it 1 to 1? Why isn't it even? Why isn't it 12 to 1 Republican to Democrat? So all of this adds up to the worst type of media bias, a media that's out of touch, and a media that decided that Donald Trump needed to go. And they tailored their coverage to create stories or put on the air stories that were later retracted, all of which supported that narrative. All right. Are you touched on this? But you know that I'm slow, so I'm going to ask you <laughs> to touch on it again. And, and it is a question that has confounded me. Which came first? This endless supply of, of selective stories, of biased reporting, or an insatiable demand from the readership that that's what they wanted. Which did we get first? I think it was a happy marriage, but this is where social media has really stepped in. When you start to find that you could let your opinion rip as a journalist, it was fun, it was liberating, it was fulfilling, and then you were rewarded by getting more Twitter followers. If you were objective, fair, and neutral, it was kind of bland. But boy, was it better for the republic. Boy, was it better for the country just to be fair. But they didn't want fairness. How on earth could CNN have Jim Acosta as their White House correspondent who went to regularly give his opinions in the briefing room? How could John Harwood, a daytime correspondent, not a nighttime pundit, not an opinion newsmaker or opinion talking head, how could he give his opinions on the air, which always were bitterly, bitingly, not only anti-Trump, anti-Republican. The bias was deep and it was authorized from the top because this is the trend that journalism went into. Now, um, I can't wait to see the experiment underway at CNN now where they say they're going to go back to neutral objective reporting. I hope that is the truth. I hope that's what they're able to do. All right. I, I it, it is my belief, Ari, that, that while it may have manifested itself, more with the Trump administration, uh, this phenomenon did not 
um, originate there. They're, I mean, look, Boehner was a tan guy that cried too much. And this, of course, is according to Politico and the Hill and the Washington Post. I mean, they didn't like Boehner. They didn't like Paul. They didn't like Kevin. I really can't think of a, I mean, I'll give you an example. I mean, Politico just recently uh, did an opinion piece. Is Kevin McCarthy too dumb to be this? Yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, Ari, lay aside my bias towards Kevin, which I confess. Do you think they would ever write that story about a Democrat? And and who are they to say that someone who's been the whip, the majority leader, the minority leader, going to be the speaker, started a small business, was elected as a Republican in California? Who are they to tell us whether he's smart or not? The equivalent story, Trey, would be, is Kamala Harris too dumb to be vice president? Do you think any of them are going to write that story? No. Then you just put your finger on it. When it comes to going after Republicans, they let it rip and let it go. When it comes to going after Democrats, they keep their mouth shut. And this is why I call it suppression and deception. And and, and you gave one perfect example there. Um, Well, if I gave a perfect example, that's the first time that's ever happened. So I'm going to make sure I get a copy of this tape. All right. I want to ask you about a word that means a lot to me. I think it means a lot to you, too, because I've watched you enough to know you care about it. And I've seen you disagree with people. I've seen you. I mean, that's why I like you is I think you call it the way you see it. The word is fair. And and what concerns me, Ari, is when one side believes that they are being treated unfairly, it causes them to redefine and recalibrate what fairness is in their own minds. And they become relativist. And, and, and all of a sudden, it's not just that we're being treated unfairly. We want to see others treated unfairly, too, almost as a makeup call, like, like, like a referee making up a call. Am I being an alarm? I mean, that's what scares me is is Republicans may stop valuing fairness, too, because they don't ever see it modeled. Well, and, and this this is why I conclude in the book that the press is a big part of the problem in America, because one of the reasons we're polarized is the press polarizes us. And, you know, there, there are just so many examples of it. But take, take, for example, the notion of stealing elections. We're told now that it is wrong. It harms democracy. No one should talk about stealing elections. All right. But where was the press when Stacey Abrams, who lost her race by four times the margin that Donald Trump lost Georgia? Where was the press objecting when she said her election was illegitimate? When Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey said the race was stolen? When Senator Sherrod Brown of Ohio said the race was stolen? When the former chairman of the Democratic National Committee, Terry McAuliffe, said the race was stolen? Where were they when former President Jimmy Carter said that Donald Trump was an illegitimate president? When Hillary Clinton said he was an illegitimate president? Why didn't they blow the same whistle on the Democrats that they now blow on Donald Trump and anybody who supported Donald Trump? And I don't think the race was stolen, Trey, but I do believe in fairness. And if you're going to criticize one side for saying it, you must criticize the other. Otherwise, you lose your credibility and the other side is going to say, I'm going to do that, too. Because the press doesn't stop the Democrats. So why should I have any decorum? Why should I hold myself back? And then you're greeted by the hypocrisy of the press, of course. And that's how the press has lost the trust of 
overwhelming numbers of Americans. And this is the part where they remain in denial and in decline. Poll after poll shows that the American people don't trust the press. And the press's reaction is basically what's wrong with the American people instead of what's wrong with us. All right. I'm going to do something. It may actually happen one day. I'm going to put you in charge of the world. It may happen, (laughs) but you're in charge for for right now. You're in charge of the world. I'm retired. All right. Well, I'm going to drag you out of retirement. You're going to be like Tom Brady and and Gronkowski. I'm going to pull you out of retirement and and I'm going to ask you, is it fixable? Is there enough of a market? I mean, people stop me all the time and say, well, where do I go for just the straight fat? I'm not sure that's what they want, but that's what they say they want. Where do I go for just the fat? Yes, I hear Is it all the time. Is there a market for that? And how would you create the supply or the demand if you were in charge of the world? There has to be a market for it because our democracy needs it. Our democracy is not healthy when we have two polarized points of view who don't speak the same language. And journalism is required to be objective, neutral, accurate, and fair. And my solution to it, and I write this in the book, uh, is journalism schools in America need to start interviewing and bringing people in differently. They need to start asking people, what are your hobbies? And when they hear that somebody's a hunter, that person should get a special consideration because newsrooms don't have anybody who thinks like that. They should ask questions and show people's thinking. What do you do with your leisure time? Right now, so many are cut from the same, think alike, act alike, tweet alike, cloth. You have a real problem of ideological diversity in newsrooms and newsrooms that are out of touch with half the country. So they need to recruit people into newsrooms, into journalism school, who think differently, act differently, and it'd be so healthy for journalism. CNN would have had so fewer errors that they had to retract if only they didn't have such an ideologically lopsided newsroom where somebody didn't say, before we put that story on the air, let's think about it. Hold on a second. Are we sure it's right? But it was anti-Trump. It got a bump. And if newsrooms had ideological diversity, they'd be so much stronger and so much more accurate. We're going to pause right there. More of my conversation with Ari Fleischer next. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, I'm going to put you in the courtroom. You're going to be, you're, you are the prosecutor. What are your three best pieces of evidence, three best things you've found in your research or wrote about in your book to prove, let's pick the word deception, deception. What would be your three best pieces of evidence? Well, here's my favorite piece. It was the Saturday after the election and Joe Biden was declared the winner. It took from Tuesday to Saturday because it was so close. Church bells went off in Paris. Fireworks went off in London. ABC, CNN, and MSNBC all reported to the American people that it was to celebrate Joe Biden's win and Donald Trump's loss. You know what, Trey? It was the weekly call to mass in Paris, and it was a 500-year-old holiday in England called Bonfire Night or Guy Fawkes Day. It had zero to do with the American election. 
But because these reporters are surrounded by people who just, how could anybody be for Trump? Everybody is against him. They thought the whole world was against him and was celebrating when it had zero to do with it, but they put it on the air anyway. So that's my favorite deception story. Uh, well, I did not. Well, you know, in their defense, Ari, it, it, it's hard. I mean, it, anyone could confuse 500 years of history and tradition <laughs> with, with people in Europe caring who uh, the American president is. Uh, all right. I want to ask you a couple more things and I'm going to let you go back to selling books. And the book is available, Ari, everywhere. I'm sure I'm, 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 I'm sure it's doing great. Um because you're great it's available people can buy it wherever they want to right it's on amazon.com it's at barnes and noble it's it is available in all bookstores it's it's actually number one on amazon's political list right now trey so suppression deception snobbery and bias it's it's off to a great start i think people like this topic all right well i'm gonna let you sell more books but i gotta ask you about a couple of things because i got an expert here and i'm gonna take advantage of it so the New York Times and Washington Post, which we are told are the you know, newspapers of, of record in the country, they both have, quote, conservative writers. And I'm going to pick on the Washington Post. You probably don't want to join me, but I'm going to do it anyway. I think the conservative writer for the Washington Post is Jennifer Rubin. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> what is the last Republican she liked? She didn't like Paul Ryan. Don't ask me. I, I mean, it's, it's part of the, the whole farce of how the press wants to say they're fair because they want to tip their hat in the direction of objectivity while they're anything but. I, I, I've been joking with you some. I'm serious about this. I, I, I really think democracy needs a neutral arbiter. I think we, you, you don't have to like the umpire, but you have to respect the umpire. If major television newspapers said, you know what, Ari, you're right. We do need, if, if they say what CNN said recently, which would, we want to go back, you would recommend to them doing what, how to get back to a sensible, fair, traditional form of journalism. Number one, no anonymous quotes. If somebody says it and they won't put their name on it, don't print it. Number two, objectivity, fairness means no opinions, no opinions from reporters and barely any analysis. Just tell the American people what took place and let the American people decide what it means. The public can do that, but reporters don't want to let that go because they've strayed too far from their mission. But that's the way back to good journalism. Suppression, deception, snobbery, and bias. Uh, you were at the lectern for how long? How long did you feel questioned? Two and a half years at the White House and then uh, one year on the presidential campaign. All right. Did you, and this is a tough question. It's a tough question. Did you detect any disparate treatment of the White House press corps towards President Bush versus President Obama. Did you hear the same oh, number gosh, of yes. really tough questions for President Obama? Oh, my goodness. Of course. But as, as bad as I had it, it was nowhere near as it became under President Trump. But, yeah, no, I knew back then that the press was biased. The press was liberal. Every, every briefing was in the way game. You know, right now for the Biden White House, there's really only one or two tough reporters in that room. There's 47 easy ones. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. How long did it take you to research your book? A year and a half. 
Wow. And it's number one on uh, on Amazon under Amazon political under their political, political books. And it hadn't been out all that long. I don't think, has it? It's came uh, out yesterday. OK, well, that's pretty good for out 24 hours. I want to have you on the TV show at some point. Um, but until then, suppression, deception, snobbery and bias. And again, this ain't coming from a member of the House Freedom Caucus. It is not coming from a member of the John Birch Society. This is coming from a guy that calls balls and strikes. But what he sees is suppression, deception, snobbery and bias. Ari Fleischer. Ari, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. You take care. Thank you. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.